Oh, here we go. Oh, yeah, there look at that. Is. There we this go. This is one of my favorite videos. Boom. Look at that idiot right there, <laughs> smiling through the whole thing. Nah, you <laughs> did not it. try to... What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. I'm your host, Ryan Satin. What a week we have for you in the Out of Character podcast feed. Got Madcap Moss on the show this week. Tonight, there'll be a Raw Roundup podcast. Friday, SmackDown Roundup podcast. Best of the week on Sunday. But like I said, we're here for an interview right now. We're here for Madcap Moss. And I guarantee you're going to see a side of him you have not seen before. Lots of fun stuff during this conversation. I know his whole gimmick is that he's a jokey guy. And so uh, that is very evident that he that it's very real to who he is as a person when you watch our conversation this week. But also you're going to see a deeper side of him as well. There's lots of stuff in here that I wouldn't have expected us to tackle. So please, please stick around for all of it. I think you'll enjoy the interview. So let's get to it. Let's get to my conversation this week with Madcap Moss. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the interview. I want to ask you the same thing I ask everyone else on the show, and that is how much of your real true self is there in the character that you play on TV right now? Oh, I mean, I think that the character that I play on TV is myself. It's one aspect of myself, if that makes sense. It's not all of me. And uh, there are uh, important differences between me on that stage in that ring and me outside of the ring. But uh, I think most people will tell you that when uh, they're being their authentic self, that's when the character comes out best. And if I, I really think that if you're not being that, the WWE universe can tell. And it's just the connection is not as strong if that's the case. And so I, for me personally, I think it's just about finding which parts of me that I want to put into different moments and, and it depends on where I'm at in the story. Um, but to be the most authentic I can possibly be out there. And I think that the cool thing for me was that with the Madcap character, when I first uh, was introduced with happy, um, you know, telling puns is not really my thing. Uh, I am a goofball and a jokester. So that there was a piece of it that I could relate to and being able to do that and then just go all out with it and have that separation where it wasn't exactly me, but there was a clear part of me in it uh, and be able to turn it up and go all out with it. I think you hear people say that a lot to turn the volume all the way up. I think that really helped me settle into allowing myself to come through the character. And now with the, the character changing, I've been able to uh, dial some of the over-the-top back and truly just be myself. Well, it's funny that you mentioned the you being similar to the character because I think that most people who just from the surface looking in be like, well, this guy's not like a jokey guy, football dude. You know, we've seen him play serious characters before. But I remember very distinctly I had Riddle on the show a while ago. And it was so funny to me because I remember I asked him, he was talking about how he likes joking with people in the locker room. And I, and I said, well, who's the funniest person in the locker room to you? And he goes, oh, easy, Riddick Moss. No, no question. And then a few weeks <laughs> later, you were on TV doing this new Madcap character. And I was like, whoa, what a crazy coincidence that he had just been talking about how much of like a goofball you are. And then this fell on your lap. Do you think that those kind of things went together? Like people saw you being a goofball in the locker room and that kind of led to the, the Madcap character being thought of? You know, I don't know if that's what led to it. Um, I it, There's a chance, I think, that it was just a, a, a great coincidence that worked out for me. But I think when the within the first couple of weeks of doing the character, so many people reach out to me that knew me and were like, this is you. This, <laughs> I mean, you can just because I don't take myself too seriously. And it obviously the character doesn't take anything too seriously. And yeah, I, I think if I remember correctly, what really won Riddle over was um, I have a I have a thing with um, my eye where it when I look this way, it doesn't this eye doesn't track properly. It kind of moves up and most people don't even notice it. Um, but it's something that I pretend to be super self-conscious of. But at the same time, I I pointed out all the time <laughs> so i was just looking at riddle from across the locker room or he was looking at me and i i looked over at him i, I said are you looking at my eye what are you doing man and, and he just lost it right there uh, so that was how i won real over but that, that's what i'm 
I kind of just whenever I can, you know, especially once I'm comfortable with the situation with a group of people, whenever there's a possibility, I go for the joke. I go for the laugh. And uh, so that's where when people saw me playing this character, like, oh, yeah, that's you. My fiance and I, we both love that movie Night at the Roxbury. And so we always say it reminds me of that that line where he's like, Dewey, did you just touch my ass? And he was like, Sure. <laughs> I definitely didn't just touch your ass. Like that's what it reminds me. He was like from across the room when he's yeah. doing it too. And he's like, Sir, that would be physically yeah. impossible from where I'm standing. He's like, I know your tricks, Dewey. It's like my favorite line yeah. in the movie. Me and my girlfriend always say that to fiance always say that to each other. So uh, I, I like that joke. That that's I feel like we're on similar comedy wavelengths there. You mentioned yeah, at the top sure. here, you said there's important differences, though, between you and the character you play. What would you say is the most important difference between yourself and the Madcap character? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I, I, I'm going to answer this in a roundabout way. Okay. If that's all right. It's yeah, probably, of course. Probably too long-winded, but... Um, so I, growing up and, and uh, as a young athlete, as a football player, I really admired the um, the athletes, the great all type athletes that uh, were known for being too obsessed with their craft and just being totally and completely immersed and dedicated um, to a point of almost an unhealthy relationship with it to the point where it was the only thing that mattered to them. And I respected that sacrifice so much. And I kind of thought, well, if you want to achieve that level of success, the only way to do that is to be that obsessed with it and is to make all those sacrifices. And as I've uh, grown and learned more, what I believe now is that I think that's a bit of a cop out and it's just an excuse to neglect certain areas of your life and sort of just let the ego take control and let the ego be the only thing that matters. And, I think there's a way to completely dedicate yourself uh, and work hard and passionately towards a goal without letting that ego take control. And, and that's, I think, what we should all be striving for is to still have that level of dedication that is so admirable, but have balance. And when I say balance, I don't mean um, – balance in the sense of not committing my all to, I think people hear balance and they think, Oh, he just doesn't want to be all the way in on it. He doesn't want to be committed. He doesn't want to put in all of the time. And that's not what I mean. I just mean balancing the competitive side of me with the cooperative side of me and realizing that, um, the ego that wants to come out that still to this day for me wants to come out and take credit for all of my success is an illusion. Really. It doesn't really exist. It, it, it it assumes that there's some part of me that is separate from my genes and my upbringing and all of the help that I've gotten over the years and all of the situations that I've been put in that if it were someone lesser than me, they wouldn't be able to achieve my level of success. But because I have this ego that doesn't really exist, it's what's propelled me to the top when in reality, that just doesn't even make sense. Um, and so when I've realized that and I've dropped that, I think it's allowed me to, not only pursue my goals passionately, but in a more healthy fashion, but also have more gratitude for the position that I've been put in and all the help that I've gotten along the way, which is really why I'm here. And I think you see this with like generational superstars, second and third generation superstars. A lot of times they are accused of only being in the position they're in because of who their family is and who their parents are. But really it's no different for me. I mean, I'm, in the position I'm in because of the upbringing and the discipline and the values that were instilled in me at a young age. And my older brother pushing me uh, to work hard and showing me what hard work is and also pushing me into wrestling and, and keeping me passionate about rest about wrestling. And so I'm as much a product of my surroundings and, and that system as anyone else is. And just being able to recognize that, um, is what's helped me kind of set that ego aside. So to answer your question in an extremely long winded way, um, the difference between the character and the real life me is sort of the ego. There is no ego there in the real life me. And I'm able to drop that at the door. Whereas the character bad cap maybe can let the ego, uh, come through a bit more. Okay. Well, first of all, this is a podcast. So long winded answers are better. That's first and foremost. And, and second of all, you know, I do this show because I hope that 
not only will people see a different side of the WWE superstars and kind of root for them more when they learn who they are as people, but I also hope that people gain something from listening to the show, you know, like some inspiration or something that resonates with them. And so I love it when I'm listening or when I'm listening to someone on the show or I'm talking to someone and I ask a question like that, which I'm so glad I asked that question and got all that from you because it's great when I feel a scene in someone's answer where I'm like, I'm wondering, how old are you? I'm 32. Okay. So we're like around the same age and I'm kind of, it's taking me a little, like a few years later than you, but I'm kind of on that same wave right now of realizing that like my obsessive competitive nature of wanting to win in everything that I do is so ego based and I'm just, it's taking me a lot, but it's really hard to get that out of your brain. And I was just thinking about it as I was driving here of like how hard it is to just drill certain, like to retrain your brain into thinking ways like that and to not being so focused on the things that don't matter and focused on the proper balance because I'm the same way dude like 24 7 working 24 7 because I want to win and then I realized like I haven't talked to my family enough or I haven't spent you know focused on my fiance enough or we you know all, all the things start to fall out of order I haven't focused on my body enough and stuff like that so I, I completely understand and all of that makes perfect sense to me cool man that's really cool to, to hear you say that and uh you know, I think you said it right there, uh, the winning thing. And it's just like this obsessive uh, idea that you have to, that there's one way to win. And winning is uh, some magical uh, point of arrival where no one can take that from you once you've achieved that one thing. And then your life will be complete once you've won. And it's just, to me, it just doesn't even make sense. And uh, there's so many things that you can win at there's so many games to play and the point at the end of the day is to play the game really it's there is no end of the game there's no winning and uh if you're not enjoying the plane if you're not enjoying the journey um and if you're relying on some future point and, and getting all of your self-worth from that that win that future win i think you're just setting yourself up for disappointment and kind of just a perpetual chase of this elusive win and uh, I just think that's personally the, the, where I'm at right now, kind of like you said, it, it's, it's a journey that I'm, this is certainly not an original thought, you know, I'm stealing this from, from people much smarter than me, but it makes a lot of sense to me that that's, uh, it, it's a much uh, smoother and more fruitful path and, and a richer life to not chase that elusive win, but enjoy the, the journey instead. You know, it's interesting for me to hear this from you because I feel like in doing the research for you, I was like, I wasn't sure of like, you know, the essence of, of, of you as a person. So I, you know, I have all these facts written down and stuff, but now kind of like hearing that, it kind of like all snaps into picture, you know, like I see, you know, cause I was going back as far as to like, I went and watched, <laughs> I went and watched, I like when I have someone on the show to type in their, you know, their name into YouTube and go to the very first video I can find. And it was like something like a highlight reel of yours from 2007, but it was like, it listed your GPA, which was super high. <laughs> and then it had all these sick ass highlights of you. And I'm like, and, and I see that now, of like that kid wanted to win back then. And that's why it was like super yeah. good at school, super good at football, like grew the hair out, you know, had the whole thing, you know, it was like, it was very much like wanted yeah. to, to be the best at everything they were doing and, and was focused on that. Yeah. You know, I, and I'm, you know, I don't know. I think it's hard. I, I would hope it's hard to, uh, you know, summarize the essence of who I am in just a short sentence. But I, I, in some ways, I'm a, I'm a meathead. You know, I'm just like, I like <laughs> lifting. I like working out. I eat tons of protein and I make sure that I get it in. And it, like these things are important to me on the road. And then on the other hand, I recognize that uh, all of the, the, the way that I spend most of my time and most of my day is not the most important thing in life. And trying to recenter myself and uh, make sure that I'm giving enough time and attention to those things that I consider the most important in my life. I think a lot of people underestimate as well, how much time you've spent in WWE. Like you've been, you know, you'll hear the term, like, you know, uh, it took someone 10 years to become an overnight success. And like, you know, you're finding that success now and it's been a quick ascent since you've had the madcap stuff. But like, I think people underestimate the fact that you've been in the performance center since like 2014 and different iterations, different characters, different things you've tried. Like you've been working so hard to find your, you know, most authentic self on camera. Yeah. It, you know, I, 
I couldn't believe the other day I uh, was telling someone asked me how long I'd been doing it. And I, I realized it was eight years and I was just like, wow, eight years. And it kind of hit me that, um, you know, I, I'd been playing football since I was a, a little kid, youth football. But as far as, you know, really taking it serious and working out and doing it in the off season um, was kind of high school and college football, which combined was eight years. And so already I'm now surpassing how long I seriously had a football career, which is a bit strange to me. It's it still in some sense, it feels like it's been a long time. But in another sense, I feel like I'm just, you know, a, a fresh face still figuring this thing out, which I am really. And uh, there was a lot of uh, ups and downs at the performance center. Um, and there was uh, moments of frustration and there was injury. Uh, but now when I look back at that time, I look back on it very fondly and, and, and all that I learned and all of the friendships that I created and the times that we had together um, on the road around Florida and setting up rings and just really immersing myself in this new challenge uh, where I had so much to figure out, um, so much to learn and just drinking it all in and uh, having, you know, these minor little successes that made all of the struggle worth it. And I, I remember, actually, it's something that, that Triple H had said to not just me, but he said it to me and, and a group of us as well. But all the frustrations that you have, once you get moved past that level, once you move past the, the point of not being a part of the team contributing on TV, once you become a contributing player, all of those frustrations just disappear. And it's true. Like the, I don't look back and, uh, and think, oh, man, what I wish I would have been quicker or I can't believe I wasted time. None of those thoughts come to mind. It's all just uh, part of the journey. And, and I, in some sense, I think it's, it's like, it's good. It took so long because I was able to refine my skills and, and my uh, abilities as a performer. Well, I think that too, you know, you, you compared it to your time playing football and, and it literally being the exact amount of time it took you, uh, you know, in your school and when you were doing school playing in school and uh it's funny because it's like it's literally like you were playing in school so you were learning the exact amount of time that you were learning pro wrestling and then the time that you would have gone to the, you know the pros at that point you did go to the pros but in wrestling and you probably thought football was going to be the pros that you were going to go to and now it took yeah. you the exact same amount of time and now you're in the pros for for pro wrestling so that's pretty cool yeah i mean it's crazy when you look at it like as a kid I, I was a huge WWE fan as a kid, but I, I always, there, there was never any other possibility other than NFL to me. Like it was just going to happen. Like I, there was no doubt in my mind. And uh, when I look back on it now, I can look back and say like, I'm glad it didn't happen. I'm glad it worked out the exact way that it did. Um, this is, this is where I belong. I, I, I'm much more comfortable doing this. I enjoy it more. Um, but at the time when it, when it didn't happen, um, it was it was tough for me. It was uh, a bit of a moment of crisis, where, of personal crisis, where you do it is something where I put all of my personal identity into being a football player. And when it turned out that I couldn't continue on doing that, it was a little bit of like, who am I and, and what do I do now? And uh, those moments are, are tough to go through, but they help. They've helped get me to where I am now. They've helped me grow. And now when I, like I said, when I look back at it, I wouldn't change anything. I'm glad to be exactly where I am now. Yeah. It's, and, you know, now you're in something that has more longevity, too, in the end. Because sometimes I see some of these players who, mm. you know, don't necessarily, you know, make the top money in, in, in pro sports. And then they're done from injury or whatever at such a young age. And, and they have that thing they have to go through and I go like man that seems so difficult like if I had this taken from me which thankfully it's like it's talking my voice went away or I couldn't write like I always think about like god it would suck to just have to like completely start over and, and how difficult that that journey would be so I yeah I couldn't imagine when you had to kind of figure out well what do I do now uh how, how long was it from that point till you signed to WWE so when I the draft day, I didn't expect to be drafted, but I did expect to get a contract right after the draft. That was kind of what the the teams had discussed with it. my agents. The scouts had put me at a level of getting a free agent contract after the draft. And when that didn't happen, I mean, it's like a whirlwind 20 minutes. And I was expecting to call for my agent. And eventually he called me and said, look, we didn't get any offers, but I'm going to go and work for you now to – uh, get a tryout basically, which is what I ended up getting. Um, 
But when he told me that it was like my world came crashing down for about 10 minutes. And like, I just went in and, and uh, sat by myself. Actually, I think I went to the bathroom and locked the door. I didn't want anyone coming to talk to me. And I just sat on the ground and I was just like, what the hell do I do now? And during college, I was, I was obviously busy with school and football and I'd kind of fell out of touch with WWE. But when I got done with the season and was just training for pro day in the NFL, I got back into WWE and became like a massive fan again. And about 20 minutes after I was told that I didn't have, uh, any contract offers, I went and did, a what I, you know, you might call like a bodybuilding style workout, a body guy workout to build my muscles. And I said, you know what, I'm going to the WWE. Now it didn't end up happening right then and there. I ended up getting a trial with the dolphins. And so, and then they told me to stay ready for a few more months after that. Um, but then it was in the, that fall when it started to look like the, my football career was definitively over that I reached out to someone with the Miami dolphins who got me in touch with someone in WWE and got me a tryout. The first tryout was a bit of a disaster, <laughs> not so much for me, but it was, there was only five guys total, including myself and the other four guys with all due respect, were not ready for the intense cardio and training. And so like five minutes into the first session, there was the other four had either pulled a muscle or were puking on the outside. And I was the only one still going. Oh, and man. of course, as I'm doing this, and there's a legendary line in here. I won't say names, but the <laughs> head coach at the time said, asked one of the guys, he said, how long have you known about this tryout? And he said, the, the talent responded and said, four weeks, sir. And he said, what did you do to prepare? Drank beer, sir. And everyone looked said, well, he's honest at least. <laughs> but obviously that did not go over well with no, the coaches. No. Uh, so per, anyway, long story short, after three days where I, I, I get, went all out um, and like I was just by far in the, in the best cardio shape and, and had the best performance. So I thought, well, this one's in the bag. This one's easy. And at the end, they told me, look, we didn't even get to half the stuff that we normally get to. So we like you and we want to see you again, but we can't offer you a contract just based off this tryout. Wait. And I was pretty how hurt much, by how, that. Because how, much, was, how much cardio did you have to do in that one? Man, there was there was a lot. And there was this. We did a weight room circuit where, again, guys kept dropping out. And so, like, I did, I did one time through and I was like, I killed it. And then the strength coach was like, you want to do it again? I was like, hell yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> Did another loop. Now I'm breathing a little heavy. You want to do it again? I'm like, yeah, why not? Do it a third time. Now I'm breathing real heavy. He's like, you want to go again? I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and so I do it again. And now I'm like breathing real heavy. And uh, so I get, I finish and I almost don't even want to look at him. But, you know, I just can't cower away. So I turn to look at him and he's like, yep, go again. And so <sighs> after the last circuit, I was just dying, like lightheaded. And I actually ended up having to stay like late into the night to man, I was almost going to puke oh. like we were already going late into the night oh. and I had to stay an extra half an hour because I was just standing over the garbage can oh. dizzy and just about to puke. Um, but you know, I, I showed that I was willing to make that sacrifice. And the, the second tryout that I did when I came back, um, I was able to even have a better performance because I knew a little bit of what to expect. And so, uh, off of that tryout is when they, they offered me a, a contract. Okay, so wait, you said growing up you were a WWE fan, but I saw a video on your Instagram, and you're doing a diamond cutter, you're, you're wearing a Wolfpack shirt, so yeah. were you more of a WCW fan or a WWE fan growing up? Oh, here we go. Oh, yeah, there look at that. Is. There we go. This is one of my favorite videos. Boom. Look at that idiot right there, <laughs> smiling through the whole thing. Nah, you <laughs> did it. Try the, you, you did it well. You did it well. Home. Look, at I just love how happy. That's my little brother, Nick. He's a Philadelphia Eagles coach now. He coaches the linebackers there. <laughs> Youngest position coach in the NFL, by the way. He's Hell yeah. killing it. Hell yeah. Um, but, yeah, we were we were definitely early on, we were WCW guys. Um, and, I mean, Goldberg was my favorite, but you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone on that roster I didn't like. I just liked everybody. And, uh, we, you know, I just – we just – we were we were nuts, man, me and my brothers. I mean, we – we lived it. We watched every single week and, uh, you know, we did stupid diamond cutters on the bed and stuff like that. We had my, my, my older brother and I once had an hour long match on the bed. You know, I don't even know what was going on there. 
We, there's you, no way we do it. Did you ever break the bed? Did you ever break the bed while wrestling on it? No, we we did go through a couple of walls, okay. but never broke the bed. So yeah, we, there was there was definitely some bad uh, there's some bad moments in, for sure in my bedroom. Uh, my, I literally I have a video of my brother and I that's very similar to that. Not a diamond cutter, but like he's doing like a rock bottom type move to me, or one way or the other. But we were definitely way too tall to be doing suplexes on my you know twin bed. <laughs> And so I, yeah, I, I remember like one time my brother did a suplex, my foot went right through the wall and then I had to put a poster oh, no. over it. So my mom wouldn't know. <laughs> and so when we moved out, like, dude, it was like five, six, maybe later than like maybe 10 years later, I finally was like, Hey, by the way. And she was like, are you kidding me? There's a hole in the wall from you guys wrestling. I'm like, Oh, sorry, mom. Like oh, it, was no. a good, it was a good match though. We got, we got a lot of stars, yeah. you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was worth it. It was worth it. Trust me. Did you, t- did you, yeah. uh, did you attend any memorable shows live? Cause I know WCW had some big ones out there, uh, in Vegas. Um, so I, I was in Minnesota. At oh the yeah. Time, and so I, I, I went to a few, but nothing that was like, uh, an all time show or anything like that. I went to a nitro and a couple of live events. Um, but that was the extent of, of going in person, uh, but, you know, we had like we had all the shirts like you, you saw and a bunch of posters and and uh, probably 100 action figures. And we had we had our own uh, league, you know, our own federation of wrestling. And it was we just called it uh, WG wrestling, guys. We we didn't put all of our creative talent into naming the federation that went into storylines, which although I imagine the storylines were basically just imitating what we saw on TV. I can't imagine we came up with too, too much original content. I do remember that we had a, a, one event. It was a truly a, a spectacle. I'll see if you can guess what it was based off of. It was called heck on a deck. Okay. And it was the ring on, on top of a giant table. And it was extremely dangerous. Guys were getting thrown over the top rope. You know, they're probably dropping 50 feet to the floor. So um, you should pitch that concept that for one for for your yeah, you know your own then, personal gimmick. But we can't do a scaffold match, but we could do a heck yeah. on a deck, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I think I'll leave that one in the retirement uh, with the the WG, the wrestling guys. So they can they can keep that. One. Hey, you had your laugh la- last laugh match. You might as well just throw it out there. You never know. You know, worst <laughs> case scenario, they might go, "Hey, it's not a bad idea." Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Never funny. Know. Did you film your backyard st- like your your federation or was it just you and your brother and friends and stuff doing it on your own for fun? Uh yeah, we we just did it on our own for fun. There is one uh much later now. This is uh at in college when my brother, my little brother and I were on the same team. We did have one match that we promoted and and uh filmed and did on the field uh with just we put up four tackling dummies and tape around those to make our ring and uh you know we had we went all out with that one we had weapons we had uh, surprise appearances and sting masks we had uh, a ref turn at the end of the night you know um it didn't end up going anywhere you know we set up a lot of storylines it ended up not being finished but uh we did we did have the people you know they, they came with the finish <laughs> great great well for the listeners or watchers, whatever viewers, whoever you are, I'll 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 go to WWE stuff now instead of Wrestle Guys. I apologize, but I I love <laughs> I love hearing the 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 old school come up stories of people's fandom. We'll we'll switch to to the main roster though. Now, did you have any interactions with Corbin prior to being paired together? Yeah, uh, so he was in NXT when I first got there, and uh, honestly, he was like me and him were always real cool. We, we weren't super close. Um, but he, you know, he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And, uh, I actually appreciated his take on the business and, and it was just a very business-like approach. And, uh, when he went up to the, the main roster, I really started to admire his work. The more I learned about what we, we did and just, um, the way he worked, uh, the, where he got the most out of everything that he did, the way he protected his finish, all of these things. Um, and I was thoroughly entertained by the broke Corbin stuff. And uh, I had no idea that they were thinking about putting me with him or anything like that. And I actually was on, I was training at the performance center, um, kind of finishing up my rehab. And they told me then that I was going to do, uh, they had me um, flying out to SmackDown for a dark match. 
and I had a little, I had some nice clothes with me, but uh, nothing crazy. Um, and then the day before they told me that I'm actually going to be debuting with Corbin. Um, and this is when he had moved past the bum Corbin stage and was now dressing in extremely nice uh, clothes as happy and had hit the jackpot, obviously. And I did not have any super nice clothes to wear and I didn't know exactly what they wanted me to do. So we were in Philadelphia that day and my brother lives in Philadelphia. So when I got there, I went to his closet and raided his closet so I could get some nice clothes to bring with me to the venue. But then I ended up not needing them because I disguised myself as just a cameraman before attacking Kevin Owens. But, you know, I, I knew Corbin and I, we had a, a bit of a friendship beforehand, but nothing. Uh, we weren't super close. And but uh, we had kind of admired each other's work and, and what we could bring to the table from afar. And, uh, man, I couldn't imagine have having had a better person to help bring me along and, and kind of teach me in my early stages of this character. I think that Corbin is at such a uh high level of thought when it comes to the, the the pro wrestling business sports entertainment whatever um i think he's got such a high level of thought that that fans don't give him enough credit for that it's such a high level that people think that he just doesn't care from looking at his social media like oh he just cares about cooking and smoking cigars and all that kind of stuff but like i've had him on the show twice and his mind for the business is just like next level like he's on it he's just thinking about things where he even he'll bring it to me like off camera we were talking to the usfl and i'll he'll say something to me and i'll be like that was a really good point that i didn't even think about you know that he's always thinking about that kind of stuff and i feel like it was perfect person to be paired with for that reason yeah absolutely and uh he's also extremely giving and unselfish and he really does he just wants like you're saying he's he's thinking on the next level and it's always about what's just best for the whole story the whole show and so for me coming in uh, as a guy who, you know, I had, I had my experience in NXT, but they were it, even in NXT, it wasn't much television. And I had a little bit of experience on Raw and then Raw Underground, um, but it was nothing major. And then so to come up and then be suddenly thrust into these storylines um, where we had feuds going and we had Halloween street fights and then a Christmas, you know, Miracle on 34th Street fight. And, um, you know, the tag matches and handicap matches and one-on-one -on -one and going against Kofi and all like legends of the business and him kind of guiding me through where I'd say, I am thinking about doing this. And he's like, eh, don't do that. Um, because this, this, and this, it's not, it's not the type of story you want to tell. It's not the type of message you want to send, especially at this point in the feud or at this point in your career, we're still trying to establish this about you. And just hearing him talk with through things with me and just kind of being able to drink it all in, um, man, I learned so much. And I'm so grateful for the time that we spent together. Um, I imagine, too, like, you know, before, cause you, like you'd mentioned some of the other stuff you had done on the main roster, but you were kind of out there to some degree on your own the, the, the first time. And I feel like having someone like Corbin to guide you must have made – your, you know that experience on the main roster uh, much better for you in terms of just learning and growth than than the first two times around. Yeah, it's it. Not only is he guiding me, but he's also uh, allows me to play off of him as I'm out there, which I think is really important. Is as opposed to just going out there and having to establish exactly who I am just on my own, you know, with a, a five minute uh, monologue on the microphone or something like that, you know, or even just in a match just trying to establish exactly who I am as opposed to being out there with a guy who I can play off of. We can communicate, we can go back and forth. We can be, he can be mad at me. I can feel sorry. I can, uh, he, he can degrade me and I can get angry. All these things that, you know, I can play off of him. So both on screen and behind the scenes, just a huge benefit. And I think that, that especially with the audience too, I, I think I, I heard you and, and, Corbin talking about that exactly is coming up and just, he has credibility already. Um, six years, seven years now, maybe of steady television time, the audience knows exactly who he is. And so for me to come up and be a part of him, part of his, uh, his whole presence and presentation, 
just did wonders for me, helped me get ahead and established in the minds of the, the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Since, yeah, since you heard part of our conversation on it. Yeah. Like I remember we were talking about that and I remember thinking at the time, like, I wonder, you know, I'm wondering what the audience reaction is going to be when he comes back now. And then when you came out, it was like massive pop. And I was like, hell yeah, it all worked. That's awesome. That that's great. It, that's, <laughs> that's what's supposed to happen. Great. Yeah. So the going back before I came back, um, from when he put me out uh, with the injury, when I the the first SmackDown after WrestleMania was when I was when he was going to turn on me, and that whole day I was like my my whole life in NXT and my short career on the main roster I've been a heel, and I just you know it's just what I've done and uh, I haven't been very popular with the WWE universe and it's been understandable but you know even the week before I I won the Andre. And uh, I was trying to cut, you know, what was supposed to be a heartfelt promo about winning the Andre. And I started getting chants about how much I suck. And, uh, and so I just had to, you know, be a delusional uh, winner and say, you know, I'm beloved just as much as Andre was, you know. And, and Well, I think, too, when you have, you know, the, the person on top and, and Corbin, two people who have know what they're talking about this kind of stuff telling you like this is gonna work you go like all right like we were talking earlier where you were even saying like having to kind of let go a little bit and just collaborate better and be able to collaborate and not think you know how everything should go and so yeah. uh when you're with two people like that being like okay if you guys say it's gonna work and you're probably in your head being like this is gonna, this is gonna work and then when you hear yeah. that you're like oh i was wrong okay that's like the, yeah. probably the happiest you were ever to, you're probably the most happy to be wrong in that situation of like oh they were right this worked great yeah absolutely i mean i think so i've tried to take that attitude into everything that i've done like there's guys that have been up here they're they've been in this business their whole lives and they've been doing this for so long they have so much experience and at a high level and they've had so many successes and that um they know what they're doing and so for me to come in and just have my opinion and have my thought and, and care about it, but not be stuck in my ways and make sure I'm listening and, and taking everything in. Um, uh, but that was a moment of really reminding me like, yeah, I don't know at all what's going on here. <laughs> I need to just shut up and listen a whole bunch because, uh, it, I, I was, I doubted it and I couldn't have been more wrong. You can't say to Michael Hayes, like, uh, I've been booking wrestle guys since <laughs> yeah, I was a little kid. Right. Hayes, yeah. I know what I'm Trust doing me. here. You know? We had a very successful time with the wrestling guys. <laughs> um, okay. So you talked about the style aspect of things. Uh, how did this, how did the outfit come together? Was that a you thing? Was that them being like, this is what you want to wear? How did that all go to, come about? Um, so the, the initial design was, uh, their idea. Um, but it had, it, matched up almost exactly with what I had just bought for the character by chance that week. Um, and I'm not a style guru at all. You know, I don't, I don't know a ton about fashion or style. Um, and Corbin was out here in these great fancy suits and, uh, you know, tailored shirts and all these, uh, great looking. And he, you know, he's got his watch collection and his fedoras. And so it was a bit intimidating uh, but then when they sent me the the design that they had in mind, I thought, yeah, this is different than what Corbin's doing, and I can make it my own and pull it off. And then it, as the, the so what happened was there was a there was a SmackDown after Corbin and I had put Drew out for a month, and I came out and pretended to be Drew. I dressed as Drew, yep. and so along with that, I had no shirt on. And from that point on, as predicted from some of the guys in the locker room, it was decided that I should no longer wear a shirt and that I should also switch from pants to shorts. And so then it went from like the original design of long pants, long sleeve shirt with uh, suspenders, kind of like an old timey jokester cracking, you know, jokes and pranking people. And, you know, I thought it kind of, you know, fit with the, the name Madcap and Happy. We were kind of like old. 1930s gangsters and uh then suddenly i was just wearing shorts and suspenders and i wasn't entirely sure what the look was but uh the the coolest thing was that people could easily dress play or uh, cosplay sorry dress up as me and corbin 
you know, one guy wears the fedora, one guy wears the suspenders. It was very unique, and a lot of people online complained about it. But I think a lot of people liked it too. And uh, there were pe- people would come up to me and be like, "Listen, don't worry, we'll get you out of this soon." And I was like, "You don't have to get me out of this. I love this. This is great. I love dressing like this." Uh, <laughs> I just thought it. I, I thought it was fun um, and unique, and uh, it got a reaction, and uh, I enjoyed doing it. Yeah, I'm not a very fashionable person either, but I've noticed that like the the suits with shorts like that seem to be like a thing that people with money are doing now. Yeah, you know, I saw. Um, I, I want to say it was Justin Bieber. I, someone showed me he was wearing like this oversized suit. Like I, the, when the, I say it's like khaki, I mean, yeah, it's a it's like beige or something like that. I saw it too. Yeah, it was like way too big. <laughs> and like. I don't know. I guess that's the new thing now. Um, it I, is okay. I it don't is know. coming back. I, I, and then I'm. Con- <laughs> I've seen these pictures because I look at like red carpet photos or whatever on like Twitter or whatever, and I see it being more of a thing of like the baggy clothes coming back. But it's not the baggy clothes that we knew of when we were younger, where like the pants are sagging. It's like they're still. <laughs> Because when we wore bigger pants, like they were sagging, but there's they still have them around like the belt tight, but it's just too big everything they're wearing like it's like oversized like you're in the talking heads outdated term there but like you're oversized like a suit like you're in the talking heads and it confuses the hell out of me but so much more comfortable looking than tight clothes so i'm super into it right okay so are you telling me that i can't just go back to like my wardrobe from 15 years ago and just pull out the old stuff bust out the jinkos now bust them out bust out those jinkos (laughs) if you still got them dude bust them out the jinkos ruled (laughs) all right all right i'll keep it i'll I'll keep them ready to go i gotta see i gotta see it catch on a little more before i go all out for it i'm a follower in the fashion world i I, i'm gonna i'll try and do that for SummerSlam. i'll just buy like a way too oversized suit and wear it around (laughs) people will just look at me like what is this asshole doing why is his suit so big (laughs) <laughs> I got. I can't wait to. You got to tell me what the reaction is. I'm, okay. I'll be real curious. You know? I guarantee you, a lot of people will be like, "Hey, you know, you can get your suit tailored, dude." Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know that I did. I did. <laughs> I did. Yeah, this is this, this this is what I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also get confused by the loafers with no socks. The whole like loafers with no socks thing confuses me. Like they're not loafers. Excuse me. Like they're dress shoes where you're wearing like a full dress suit, pants everything but no socks in the loafers i'm like that seems confusing to me yeah i have i have a few pair of uh no look socks too where you actually wear socks but you just don't let them show they're very uncomfortable i i don't get it either but i just went along with it because that someone told me to do it and uh you know like i said i don't follow the fashion trends enough to know for myself so i got it at some point, I got to outsource my fashion knowledge somewhere, and I did. And the guy at the store told me to probably, and I just went, yeah, that's – if you say so, man. Wait, the socks are built into the shoes? No, they're just like they're just like really short. Got so it. So they just okay. don't even make it up to the height of the, the got shoe. Got it. Got it. So they're, they're – they're, it's just so you wear something, I guess. So there's, I don't know, some level of comfort or less uh, sweating in the shoe maybe. I, I don't even know, but – it's just – it basically looks like there's you're not wearing socks. I'll have to look into these because I – yeah. I, I mean because I, I hate having to roll up my socks. Very annoying. I won't bother you all with sock talk. I apologize. Probably boring you all with my sock <laughs> thoughts here. <laughs> but, but We've gone on a couple of tad hits today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got one question, and then I'm going to switch to my final segment. But um, I did a lot of wrestling talk here, and I didn't ask uh, my icebreakers. I usually do a category of icebreakers. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question that's not super wrestling rated, but kind of, uh, NASA recently released a photo showing the, the sharpest infrared view of the universe to date. There it is. I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter. So if alien Uh, life does exist in other galaxies, which WWE superstar do you think is secretly an alien? Oof. Man. I mean... You know, there's a, there's a few that come to mind uh, right off the bat. I'd love to give it more thought. I mean, Omos is just so big that you have to be a bit suspicious, right? Um, just from a sheer size standpoint. Uh, the guy that Pat McAfee uh, has mentioned a couple of times as the alpha of our species 
And if aliens came, we would send him to, you know, kind of show what our species is about. Maybe he's not of our species. Maybe that explains why. And that's Brock Lesnar. I mean, the guy is just one of one total freak of nature, uh, athlete mentality, toughness, just big, strong, manly. I mean, just there's definitely you could you could see him being from a different planet for sure. Yes. Um, you know, Otis, Otis sometimes has his own language. <laughs> you know, that could be some sort of alien form of language. I'm not sure about that. Uh, might need to look into that a little deeper. Um, those know, seem like good. That, those seem like, yeah, those seem like good ones. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw two more out to you that I think are possible. Uh, John okay. Cena, he's not current, but John Cena does seem kind of robot-like sometimes. So I could mm. see that yeah. it's maybe just alien. True. Okay. And the second or maybe one, maybe an alien robot. I or, mean, you know, maybe the aliens have advanced AI and good, they've created this human. That, good point. They've created the John we can't Cena bot. Rule it out. We can't rule it we out. We can't rule it out. I like yeah. the way you're thinking here. You're a deep thinker, and I like it. And secondly, <laughs> is Rick Boogs. I think Rick Boogs. Oh like, my God. He seems to me like he like he's of another planet for sure. He's eating cat food sometimes. Like he's yes. he's doing he's screaming in his garage at all hours of the night. I think that he has to be a contender for an alien. Yeah, I mean, the most extreme person I've ever come across. Uh he's just he's just a total man of extremes. I mean, he's at one point he was a total coffee snob. Where he had, and I'm not a cop, I, I like to drink coffee and I like to get like high quality coffee, but I don't know what type of machine I need to get the best drip. But he, he bought some fancy French press machine that supposedly got the best out of every bean and he only bought the highest quality beans. And then one day he decided that he wasn't going to do that anymore. And instead of just going down to like the next level down or just like regular coffee, he went straight to instant coffee, just powder and water. And he would just make it as strong as possible. He'd put 10 scoops in when he was supposed to do two. And he just went the complete opposite way. Um, one time I was rooming with him on the road and he made fun of me for making a protein shake because he said supplements are stupid. You just eat real food. You know, there's no, there's no need to do supplements. And then he went from that to drinking only insure shakes, like <laughs> 15 insure shakes a day, just total extremes. It's never anything to like balance with him. And he's a total weirdo, you know, as you said, screaming at all hours of the night. That's a great one. That's a great one. He's a definite possibility. Right, well, I'll have NASA look into it and see what they can find out, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk yeah. about it afterwards. All right, we've reached the end here, but I like to end every show with a segment that I call... Wait, there's the light. There's the noise. The finishing, the finishing <laughs> move. Uh, who's your favorite superstar to hit the punchline on so far and why? I mean, the, it's just the obvious answer has to be Happy Corbin. And it's just been the most meaningful uh, moments of my entire career, as, and especially the, the most meaningful punchlines that I've hit. Um, I think the one at Hell in a Cell, especially, um, where I actually didn't pin him after. I hit it, and then it set up me repaying the favor and putting a chair around his neck and then smashing it with a, the steel steps. Um, that's a moment that I think uh, helped the people get behind Madcap and helped show who Madcap is. Um, so I think if I had to pick one, I think it would be Happy Corbin. Um, I have had, a, I, I, I have been able to do it, uh, hit it on a few uh, really, really all-time great superstars and one being Kofi Kingston. And uh, anytime you can pick up a victory like that over a former world champion and, you know, one of the most popular superstars in all of WWE today, I think that's a big deal, too. But uh, hands down, I got to go with Happy Corbin. Well, I appreciate you doing this so much today, dude. It was a super fun chat. I hope everyone listening got to see a different side of you like I was hoping. And uh, really, I, I look forward to seeing more of your success on SmackDown. Thank you. It was, a, it was a really fun conversation. I enjoyed it. Good, man. Have a great one. You too. Peace. All right. That was my conversation with Madcap Moss Wrestling Guys Federation forever. I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed hearing that side of Madcap. I think we always hear about him playing football so much and his football pass, but now you see that this man 
has a passion for wrestling that you didn't probably realize before. Now you see it. Even though he's a bad guy, you're probably going to be rooting for him a little more now. All right, let's get this housekeeping stuff out of the way. Make sure you're subscribed to the Out of Character podcast feed. If you're watching on YouTube right now, hello. I appreciate you being here. But like I said at the top, if you're not subscribed to the podcast feed, you're going to miss out on other stuff that we don't have in this YouTube channel. It's audio only, a little treat for everyone who is subscribed to the Out of Character podcast feed. You're going to get a Raw Roundup podcast, Smackdown Roundup podcast, and a best of the week on Sunday. So go over to the podcast feed if you're watching this on YouTube right now. Pick up your phone. I know it's near you. Don't lie to me. I know it's near you. It's not in the other room. It's not in the bathroom. It's right next to you. So pick it up and subscribe to the Out of Character podcast feed. And while you're there, if you like what we're doing here, I know I've already been asking you to do a lot here, but if you can leave a rating or a review, it would be super appreciated. If you're already listening on the podcast feed, I appreciate that as well. Thank you. I hope you're enjoying the Raw and SmackDown Roundup podcast. But also, make sure that you're subscribed to the YouTube channel as well. That's where you're going to get clips from Raw, clips from SmackDown. You're going to get this show on video in full every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when it premieres and clips throughout the week, YouTube shorts, all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you're a human on the planet, you're using YouTube. So go subscribe to the uh, the YouTube channel, WWE on Fox. That's where you can find everything. Also, go follow us on social media, WWE on Fox, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. From what I hear, we're going to be posting stuff soon. So just go follow it. Uh, and I think you'll enjoy the content that eventually comes out. Also, you can follow me on Twitch. I'm Ryan Satin Streams watching some classic wrestling there, and it's been really fun. We got a Discord channel. We got all that fun stuff. So go check it out, Ryan Satin Streams. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this is Out of Character. Download the all-new Fox Sports app now.